Some More Good News Season 2 is all about people doing good through following their passions, good for their own souls and for others. I'm Kate Cherichello, and welcome to today's episode. Let's spread a little more goodness in the world. Today, you'll hear from Meg Haggerty, Director of New Student and Family Programs at Butler University. Meg exudes goodness, but that's all I'm going to say here, because I want you to hear the rest straight from her. Enjoy some more good news. So today I have Meg Haggerty from Butler University, and I've known Meg since I went to Butler, and Meg has always been such a source of joy to everyone she interacts with and has done so much for Butler, but I want to have Meg tell me about what she does. So Meg, I'll ask you five questions, and the same five questions asked for everybody, and I love how everyone has a different spin on them, so look forward to hearing yours. And first question is simply, who are you and what do you do in your own words? Sure. So I work at Butler University, which is a private liberal arts institution in Indianapolis. And much like Kate, uh, I graduated from Butler as well. And at the time when I was going there as a student, didn't know kind of where my life was going to lead. I grew up as a military brat. And so I moved every three years um, from everywhere in the States, the West Coast, the East Coast, the South, to even overseas. And at the time when I was applying to go to college, my dad didn't know if he was going to get another domestic or international um, station. And so I wanted to go to a college where I had family close by if there was ever an emergency. And as a result of that, um, I had family that lived in Indiana and my mom had grown up here in Indiana. So I looked around at colleges and universities that were within and driving distance of family for free laundry, a meal every once in a while, just having family close by, um, and kind of stumbled across Butler. Um, my mom knew of it. My grandmother had gone there for a year before she transferred, and I had grown up in schools that were smaller schools with small classrooms and small class sizes. So the idea of being at a small school was intriguing, but it wasn't the school that I wanted to go to, ironically. Uh, I wanted to go to Notre Dame. That had always been the vision. I was going to go to law school. Um, I had loved the idea of being a lawyer um, from a really young age and um, sadly was waitlisted and didn't get into Notre Dame. And I could have gone to St. Mary's, but it would have been like looking across a lake and seeing what I could have, but I couldn't have it. Um, And I knew that would break my heart. So Butler was actually my fallback school, which is kind of weird to say, but it um, kickstarted a series of events that led to ultimately what my career and my passion is. So I went to Butler for four years. Uh, I was an English creative writing and Spanish double major with still this pre-law kind of light in the back of my mind that I wanted to do, but was involved in a sorority. And ironically, Kate and I are in the same sorority. Um, I worked in our volunteer center on campus and always had a passion for service. Um, and then was involved in some other leadership work and the alumni office. And through all of that, got to meet these amazing people that did work on a college campus and didn't know that that was something that you could do as a career. It just seemed like these are people that work here. Um, But come to find out when I had kind of a crisis of faith and realized 
maybe law wasn't the right thing for me. The people that had been my mentors since I was a first year on campus were people that had this job. Um, and one of my favorite people, um, who is actually my supervisor now, uh, her name's Caroline Huck Watson. She kind of pulled me aside and said, you know, there's this job um, called student affairs. Have you ever thought about doing student affairs? And she sat down and talked to me and said, it's a two-year graduate degree. And she said, I think it's kind of like the stuff that you like to do. You get to work on a college campus. You get to work in education. You get to make relationships, really deep relationships with people um, and facilitate helping people find the things that bring them joy and bring them passion and could be a vocation for them too. And so the more I started talking to her about it and realizing that was what I wanted to do, um, I quickly, very quickly took the GRE and applied to graduate school and ended up um, going to uh, Florida State University for my graduate program. So very stark difference between a 4,000 person school to a 42,000 person school um, and got a chance to experience something very different um, in that environment and then uh, found a job after that and didn't find it immediately. I went home and lived with my parents after grad school for a couple months um, but Caroline being an amazing mentor that she was circled back with me and said I don't really know where you are in your job search but a new position opened up back at Butler. Um, mm -hmm. Feel free to share this with yourself or with um, other people that are in your cohort. And um, there's a new office that's opening up that I'm going to be the director of. Um, and so I would love to just share this with you. And of course, it's, it, there, there are things that have happened in my life that I know are meant to be and are for a reason. And um, I'm a person of faith. And I feel like God has put me in positions that have given me opportunities. And this was one of those things. Um, it ended up being exactly the kind of job that I wanted right out of grad school. It was working with orientation of first year students and then um, planning events for students as well. And that was through our student government association planning um, social activities like homecoming and um, philanthropy events and concerts and movies on the mall and taking people out to dinner in the city and just kind of exploring what it meant to be a college student and find the fun in what that looked like. And I was really selfish and I didn't share the job description with anybody else. Um, and I applied for the job and was a candidate just like everyone and ended up getting that position. Um, and that kickstarted what has now been um, a long, a long time. I never imagined I would be at Butler for as long as I have, but a long time being at Butler. And I've had um, three different positions now at Butler as a result of what started essentially like 20 years ago now. Um, so I am in, I started with orientation and programming with students, did that for about five years. Um, then another amazing mentor of mine, uh, Dr. Lewester Johnson, who was the vice president for student affairs at the time. And I know Kate has a really strong relationship with him okay. too. <laughs> he is positivity personified. Um, he uh, had an opening in his office suite, which was to help essentially um, assist him on special projects, but plan um, some social media and marketing for students about his role and how he could help students. And then also um, assist and plan and coordinate our commencement graduation ceremonies on campus. So I did that job for about six years or so. And then um, 
unfortunately, fortunately for LJ, but unfortunately for us, LJ took another position at another university and um, a new vice president came in who has made a lot of changes and wonderful success at Butler. Um, and as a result of him coming in, there was some um, new development of new areas and restructuring in our division. And so I stayed within student affairs, but I got elevated to a director position that is in charge of and responsible for orientation. The very first thing that I started doing as a new professional and um, also working with family programs, which is a new area that came into our office. So um, I'm still working with Caroline. Ironically, I went from Caroline to LJ back to Caroline again. Um, and she got elevated to an executive director position. I got a directorship and um, was supervising another staff member as a result of that role and work collaboratively with a team. And in our team, we have new student and family programs, which I'm responsible for student activities um, that does student organizations and student government and then civic engagement, um, which does philanthropy, volunteer center, um, mm. and large scale programming that fundraise as well. So we've had a lot of really amazing opportunities to create those deep, impactful conversations with students and mentor students into finding the things that are their passion and their joy and just elevating them however we can, whether it's through events or through um, leadership opportunities, having tough conversations about maybe things that they're not doing well and challenging them to exceed their expectations and work harder. And then also um, trying to help families navigate what does it mean to be the family of a college student who's not living at home anymore and who is um, maybe not having not being successful on campus and maybe needs some additional resources and needs some assistance so a lot of different things and then there's always always in student affairs other duties as assigned and other duties as assigned could be anything from staffing <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> staffing um COVID check-in and helping take temperatures um, during when the pandemic happened to um, being an on-site advisor for an event that they need another set of hands. So I feel like no day is ever the same. Um, there's always a new challenge and always something that you can learn from. And there's always ways that we can be continuing to help people in ways to make them feel better and make them find their place wherever they are and their sense of belonging. Wonderful. Okay. Not only did you answer my second question, which was how did you get to your current position, which I love, but I feel like I just got an update on what's happening at Butler. Yeah, and exactly. All the and something that was always so wonderful with Butler, and I've, I said it since the first time I visited, and I, did you ever remember um, Chris Potts in admissions? Yes. Did you call Yeah. So he was the very first person I ever interacted with on my visit to Butler. And I just remember from that visit onward, Butler was all about that personal touch, right? They always wanted to truly find out who you were and also to create those opportunities. And there was always another, I got myself so overextended because there were so many different opportunities that you could just dive into that I loved. So it sounds like it's a whole other level today, even from when it was when I was there, which it is, is. it's. It's interesting how we had to, I think there are things that Butler does really well in making those personal connections, whether mm -hmm. it's with students or with family members. Um, but in a world of technology that we're having to kind of adapt to in the past year, we 
almost like took a step back and people were getting so tired of Zoom and so tired of having to always integrate with a screen in some way mm -hmm. that one of the ways um, that the university adapted and changed is we had to send home students really quickly um, in March, 2020. So our students were actually on spring break when the really massive like outbreak on mm -hmm. in the United States happened. And so the decision was made that um, we knew that it was gonna be problematic to bring students back to campus where we are, students live on campus almost like 75, 80% of our students live on campus in very tight quarters. They might have one roommate, they might have four roommates. It just kind of depends um, the structure of like where they're living. And so they've out been traveling for their spring breaks. They've got a lot of privilege to go to a lot of different places in the United States and even sometimes further than that. And so to imagine them coming back to campus when they might've been exposed, but we didn't really know and there wasn't really good testing yet to figure that out. Um, the university had to make the tough decision that students shouldn't come back to campus, they needed to go home. And then for the rest of the semester um, in spring 2020, they would remain at home and continue doing schoolwork at home. So, you know, that was a tough thing for our students to come back, get their books and essentially leave again. Um, so one of the things that the university put into place is they actually called every single student that we have um, and had conversations with them and checked in. So any student record that we had a phone number attached to, um, there was a cadre of the uh, faculty staff on campus that would pick up a phone and answer and talk to them and just check in like, were they able to facilitate having classes at home? You know, some of our students live in very rural areas. So did they need access to a Wi-Fi router that could help them get um, to their classes, which are now 100% virtual? Did um, they need any other assistance that could help them in some way from the university's perspective? And also just how were they as a person? How were they as a human? Um, I was assigned to another task, but heard about all these wonderful phone conversations that people had had and how really how they felt touched by that, that yes, we had to send them home and how sad that was and how they didn't really want to go home. They loved being at Butler, but just the fact that somebody took time out of their day to have a phone call with them. Um, and they called it calling all bulldogs. And I think it was a brilliant idea. They did have some challenges that students would see an unknown number on their phone and they, oh. they didn't want to pick up the phone, but the person would leave a voicemail and then they'd call them back and they'd have a conversation. Um, and you could hear this like, who are you again? Kind of part of the phone call. Um, but then once they realized it was a staff member, or faculty member, um, they usually had pretty great conversations. So it's interesting oh. to see us advance so much in technology to then take a step back and get back to still that interpersonal communication, but just not using a video, you know? That's incredible. I didn't know that happened. That, that's amazing. Yeah, that, that I, I know they did one round of it. I think they went back and might've done a second round as well. But um, as a result of COVID and just the uncertainty around it, unfortunately there were staff that had to be, um, that had to be furloughed or that had to be let go. And so a lot of people ended up taking on additional responsibilities than what their normal day-to-day -day job was or having to kind of pivot to a new job that I don't know that they've actually been able to go back and do it again. But um, at the time it was really worthwhile. Wow, wow, that is, that, it, that need for that human connection. That's amazing. That yeah. covers part of the third question, which is about how how COVID looks, make, made your world look different now. but 
part two, tell me about what you see changing back to, I guess we could say before times or a different normal, or what do you see remaining that has changed? You know, maybe changed for the better. Oh my gosh. I could talk probably for hours on that. Um, <laughs> we sat through in my world specifically, there were a lot of um, uncertainties because everybody went into um, isolation or quarantine in um, March and we were trying to get ready for a new group of students coming to campus, coming question mark, to campus in August. Um, and so there were so many immediate Zoom calls with colleagues across all over the world and country to talk through what does that look like? Is it possible to bring people to campus? Um, can we even make things happen face to face or do we need to do everything 100% on Zoom? Um, are there other technologies Technology sources that we should be utilizing and building the um, information that we would normally share in person in face-to-face -face orientation groups? Do we need to put it all on to a learning module that then students have to sit at their computer and complete on their own before they come to campus? And so we had those conversations in orientation and there were many other groups on campus. There was actually kind of a strategic mission that was put into place where there were probably 20 other work groups that were called under different topic areas. So I was part of a group that talked about like a commitment statement that we would want students to sign before they came back to campus. Mm -hmm. There was another group that was talking only about what does it look like to live in a residence hall and what are the cleaning capabilities that we have the infrastructure for to make sure that people are safe. And every single group had a charter that they had to um, commit to and try to come up with scenarios of how to fix what we needed to fix. Um, so they all met during the summer. Um, ultimately, we came to the decision that um, we wanted to bring all of our students back to campus who were capable and able to do that. And we had a system through which if students couldn't come back to campus because of a family member that um, maybe had um, some accommodations that needed to be made that the student was worried about coming back and forth to campus or because the student themselves needed accommodations made, um, they could work through that with their dean or their associate dean and then um, be 100% fully remote living from home and doing all of their classes over Zoom. So I think we had about 200 students that chose to do that in the whole university. Um, and then the rest of faculty and staff adapted as well from working from home like I am um, a couple of days a week or working from campus and um, trying to balance out people being there and being in person if students needed that, but also protecting faculty and staff as well from coming back and forth to campus. So it was interesting to see how quickly those decisions had to be made and um, how people then had to adapt and live into that. For the work that I was doing in particular, we decided that we were gonna do a hybrid experience. We were gonna do in-person um, because we know how much in-person experience really has an impact on retaining students and making them feel like they belong and that they have people on campus. And if we were gonna have students live on campus, they needed to have their people and they needed to know who they were. So um, in a collaboration with Residence Life, we went from having 
essentially two move-in days to moving students onto campus over the course of like two and a half weeks of time. Um, and as a result of that, that obviously created a lot more infrastructure of needing additional staffing and helping with that. But we also chose to do entry-level testing before students came to campus. So we needed staff to actually facilitate those tests and then to process through all these different steps. So we completely redesigned how students came to campus, got their test, um, and then moved to their residence hall to move in. Um, it seemed to work pretty well. There were some things that we changed along the way um, and some lessons learned if we have to do that again for this upcoming fall. But then once students were on campus, they were broken up into much smaller groups for orientation. So we had, um, in a normal orientation, we would have had like 25 students with two orientation guides. Mm -hmm. And we actually ended up with groups that were like six or so with one orientation guide. So students got to know people in their residence hall really well because of that. And then they had in-person, socially distant mask on activities that they could do with icebreakers <laughs> as long as they didn't touch anybody else. Um, and they had some things that they could do in their classroom that was kind of their central hub room that they'd meet in. Um, and then there were some things that were facilitated over Zoom because we didn't have any spaces on campus that could accommodate everyone being in one space at one time. Um, there were some things that they did on their own time through that online management, learning management system. And then they had the small group time where they did too. So um, it, was, it was interesting to see how that, all that came to be. Um, I felt like from March until August, it was just one entirely long marathon of trying to figure out all the logistics of all of that. And honestly, probably a little bit of um, PTSD from trying to figure all that out too. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many times I woke up with like heartburn from trying, like wanting to make sure that we could do things in person and have them be in person, knowing how valuable that was, but also not wanting to be the thing that started a super spreader event essentially so far, too. Right? yeah um or to be the thing that like somebody got really hurt or really sick as a result of something that we were doing that we were hopeful would really create good positive things too so it ended up coming to be um and we uh were able to have students on campus um, we had a couple hiccups in the fall where we had to shut down for a period of time um and students kind of had to stay within their residence but mm -hmm. Overall, I feel like we've been pretty successful with students being able to be on campus and be in person, knowing how much that in-person relationship really affects things. Um, that's not to say that it hasn't caused mental health issues for students. That is a huge concern and not just at Butler, but across the United States. And even for folks that aren't on college campuses, that's something that we're always worried about too. But um, we have done lots of different ways to try to create systems that can kind of mitigate that. So everything from um, even if you were kind of stuck on campus, our uh, student activities programs went to, you could be in person if that was your comfortability, but you could also grab and go an item and you could okay. take like a kit of we like to do kind of like build a bear, but not build a bear. So like build a bulldog and you would get all the things you would need to build a bulldog, but you could take it back to your residence hall if you wanted to. Okay. Or um, virtual trivia, if you didn't feel comfortable leaving your room, you could still create a team with people in your hall and then um, potentially win prizes that way. Nice. Um, students could grab and go from the cafeteria. They could 
um, watch an on-demand activity through our health and recreation complex. Like I think you taught um, yeah. physical fitness in like classes you might pre-record or do something on Instagram that students could log into like you already do kind of now. Yeah. Um, and that way students didn't feel like they were just stuck in their room only doing their coursework and not having any fun too. Um, and then also leaning into our beautiful on-campus spaces and making outdoor fire pits that were um, like kerosene fire pits that you might see at a restaurant with Adirondack chairs and cute little twinkly lights. So more opportunities to be outside wearing a mask and engaging with people face to face and not just feel like you were stuck in a 12 by 12 room and not have anywhere to go. Wow, the amount yeah. of creativity and hours of planning. I can't even imagine. I mean, I can't imagine being a student right now where you have to deal with, you know, not be with your friends or doing everything online, or, but to have come up with so many ways to make people still be together, but safely apart, you know, that's, wow. I, I appreciate that. I think it's, it's one of those things that um, folks in our field I feel like we've always been a very collaborative field, but people went out of their way to say, this is my idea, steal it. Like if it's working for us, it will more than likely work for you. Like here is literally the paper that we wrote on how to facilitate X, Y, Z. And I think that collaboration really shows the ingenuity. I can't take credit for all the things that we did, but where we could share with other people and where other people could share with us, it it made things so much easier to not feel like you were in a vacuum by yourself trying to figure out how do you navigate a pandemic that really the, our country hasn't seen a pandemic in like a hundred years. So how do we do that with all the technology and the things that we have and also make it successful so that people don't feel like they're alone? I think I, I am so thankful for the people that I was able to have quick phone calls with or to share an email with and try to figure out how to do that and not to feel alone in trying to figure those things out and to feel like we could take leaps that we hadn't taken before with a safety net and try new things out and hope for the best and see if they didn't work and if they did and then kind of move on from there. So um, it's been it's been interesting. It's been hard like it has for many people, but I definitely feel like I've learned a lot from the past uh, 12 months and everything that we had to do. Ah, that teamwork is, is so good to hear too. And that that really is talks to the goodness, right, of people and just all trying to get through it together. And so that's a great story of goodness. Do you have another one that can either came from COVID times or from any of your years working in student affairs and at Butler of just a great, just good news, goodness moment of maybe a student coming out of their shell or, or a coworker, anything? Yeah. Oh, I have so many. I... Uh, I, a couple that I can think that come to mind. Um, I So it's going to start off as a sad story, but it's actually a really amazing story. Um, a student that I knew from their sophomore year, which was my very first year working on campus, um, we got to know each other. She was in charge of homecoming on campus. Her name's Monica um, of Bright Shining Light. She had been the homecoming co-chair for a couple years and was on program board. And I got to know 
pretty much like, I think I got the job and two weeks later I was at an SGA retreat with her. Um, and she was really close friends with uh, Laura Michelle as well, who you're really connected with too. Um, so Laura and Monica were my two homecoming co-chairs my very first year. And I think it was Monica's junior year, I think. Um, I was in my office. I had my door open. I always had an open door policy that if I was there and my door was open, you could come and interrupt me and just ask me whatever you needed to ask me. And if I couldn't, like, I would tell you I couldn't and we'd figure out another time to meet. And Monica came, like, not running, but walking very quickly into my office, tears streaming down her face and just sat down and she was on the phone and I could tell she was on the phone. Um, and obviously I was super concerned as soon as she walked in, but um, she clearly just needed a place to sit while she needed to do whatever she needed to do. And so I just kept working, acknowledging that when she was done talking, she talked to me, but I pieced together just from overhearing her conversation that her home was on fire. And like literally her home at her house was on fire and she was hearing about it and she was more than an hour away from where she lived and couldn't do anything about it. And she got off the phone, was super upset. I asked her how I could help. We talk, kind of talked through that a little bit. And um, she, you know, everyone was safe. No one was injured, no humans, no animals or anything. And that was something she just kept coming back to. Like nobody got hurt, everything's okay. Like even if I lost, whatever was lost at her house, everything was okay. Um, and I, I talked about that through with her, asked her if there was other things that I could do to assist her, whatever. And then I reflected back on the situation later and where my office was is literally across the street from all the Greek sororities and fraternities. And Monica's house was only across the street and one house over. And I remember thinking and being so touched that here she was in the probably one of the worst crises of her life as a human being and she came to my office to come and be with me then go to her sorority or her house in this crisis situation that she was going through and being so touched and honored that that was I was the comfort in that situation that I could offer comfort and be there to help her through that I still get teary-eyed kind of thinking about it because she could have just as easily gone across the street and been with her friends and her sorority sisters. Um, so I think back to that and how day to day, I might not know the people that I've impacted and the things that I've done, but I could provide something like that for somebody who is in a situation that they didn't know what to do and they just needed somewhere to even sit and just be okay. Um, wow. And then- <laughs> so oh, that says so much about you. I mean, <laughs> wow. <laughs> it, it was, it was really touching. And I went on, I was her, I was friends with her um, all through her college years. And now she's gone on, she's had this amazing career as a radio DJ in Texas. And I follow both her personal and her professional account with that. Nice. Um, and just recently had a baby and I can't wait to send her like a little present in the mail. And so it is kind of going back to our initial part of our conversation, like those relationships and those human touch points are the things that bring me joy in the job that I do and knowing that even just having a small impact on somebody's time while they're in college, they, I learn from them, they learn from me and we can help each other through that time. And that I can, I can even just uplift them while they're 
going through all these crazy transitions that students go through in college. So um, those relationships, not only for the people that were mentors to me and the students that I've been able to work with have made my life so much bigger than I ever would have imagined and have created such lasting relationships that I want to continue to have like with you and get to follow you and all the things that you do for the world that you're in too. So um, I, that is one of um, my life's joys is to be able to see students when they are so young um, become and continue to become adults. And then after they graduate and all of the crazy impacts and wonderful things they do in the world that we live in. Amazing. That's, that's something too with technology, right? Sometimes we hate it, but sometimes it can be so wonderful to be able to really be kept up to date with so many people from, from those Butler years. Yeah, absolutely. And then from, for COVID time, and I know I already told you this story, but for me, um, after this transition of coming and working from home and being home, um, I, I had this very interesting realization that um, I had been home from like March, it's almost the one year anniversary, March 19th, I think, um, which was a little later than other people. We were doing a lot of like um, preparing campus for closing and everything. So from March 18th to um, May, early May, early mid-May, and I don't know why, but out of nowhere, I just started thinking about like what it was like. And I live alone in an apartment was really, I'm a rule follower to a T, was trying to um, pay attention to being at home and protecting myself, but also protecting the community around me. Um, and I hit this moment where it hit like two months into COVID and I realized I hadn't touched another human being. And that gutted me so much because I am somebody that believes in really strong hugs and <laughs> um, if people consent to it I want to give you a big hug and I hope you give me a really squishy hug back um, and it it hurt it hurt much more than I think I realized so um, I was lucky that I got permission and privilege to go home um, to where my family lives and um, Indiana had released a little bit of the travel restrictions and so I made a plan that if I would go there I would stay there for more than a quarantine period and I would make sure that you know my family was safe and I was safe um, but I was able to go and what started off as a two-week period ended up extending to a four-week period and a six-week period um, and so I was with my family from May the end of May until like early um, to mid-July and I was still working. I, was, I wasn't just there on vacation. I was still working a full time doing all of the planning that we talked about and trying to figure out how's organization gonna happen. Yeah, um, but I was in my sister's uh, dining room and the, my nephews were still in school. So we were each in different parts of the house and my sister was on the third floor teaching kindergarten and my brother-in-law was in the basement working for the government. And my nephews were taking classes. And then once their school was done, then it would be like a gaggle of like eight to 10 year old boys running through the house with Nerf guns while I'm on Zoom. And I, I finally got to have my hugs from everybody. And um, it was so touching to be able to experience, even the world was in chaos and there was so much going on and so much craziness just to have family that I could hug and sit on the couch and play Jeopardy on the TV and um, we could go outside and throw a football around or um, just be together and not be alone in the world. Um, and I ended up doing that from May to July and then um, 
again, had the privilege from like before Thanksgiving until January again. And that has definitely brought joy and goodness to my life um, during COVID um, and had such beautiful memories from both of those experiences. And the time together, I think I calculated, it almost ended up being three months out of 12 months, which is the longest I had been home in probably 15 years. Um, And that's, that just made that made the world for me and um the COVID times that we live in such a blessing wow yes love it all right all right last question and then I'll let you go is there anything that you find yourself just repeating to students or your coworkers all the time a line a quote a phrase that you would like to impart on anyone listening today oh my gosh I because I was an English major quotes and words mean so much to me. Um, I would say one of my favorite authors um, is Maya Angelou. And she has a quote um, about, and of course I'm forgetting the words right now. And it's on like a (laughs) something a student painted for me over across the room from where I am. But it's essentially like people will never forget how you made them feel. And um, I forget what the next like phrase is in that. Do you remember? Isn't it uh, people will f- might forget the words, but they won't forget how you feel made them feel something like something, that. Something along those lines. Folks that yeah. are watching this video, go research this quote. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll insert it in. I'll put it <laughs> perfect, in. Perfect. Um, I, I think that it, it just speaks volumes because it's true. Like I, I hope that people show up genuinely who they are to every situation that they can be because everyone has value. Everybody is important in some way and everyone can contribute. And so if you can do that for somebody else and you can impact somebody's life in that way, that will just continue to spark goodness and continue to spark positivity and joy for other people. And maybe by you being your genuine self and showing up in the way that you show up, it gives someone else the confidence and the strength to be able to do it too. And that people need that right now. People need you to be who you are and to help and um, that you can make a lasting impact on somebody else's life just by being you and, and, do that, like really go out and do that and not just speak words to it, but actually be that and be that person that you can be. That was the most beautiful ending. And I can't thank you enough. Um, I want to go and just copy that last minute and just uh, listen to it on replay. You're a beautiful soul, Meg, and I can't thank you enough for doing this. Thank you. I appreciate you so much too. And I'm lucky that we get to be birthday twins and we get to celebrate our birthdays together, even hundreds of miles apart. Um, But you also are somebody that your, your beautiful smile and your presence just brings joy wherever you are and is effervescent and the world needs more of that. So I appreciate you, Kate. Well, thank you. Well, we are both doing our part to make things happier, hopefully. (laughs) And and I know that your life is so crazy busy, so I really appreciate your time, too. No, it's good to see you and talk to you.
Thank you so much for listening. Follow me, Kate Cherichello, at positively underscore Kate on Instagram for more. If you have good news that needs to be shared, please send me a message.